Are you a Christian? That's our topic today on Sincere Milk. Hello and welcome to Sincere Milk, a podcast brought to you by Grafted Saints. This podcast is dedicated to strengthening the biblical worldview of the Christian believer through the truth that's found in God's word. We're glad that you joined us today, so let's get into it. Welcome to episode one of Sincere Milk. I'm your host, Millie and Lewis. I want to begin Sincere Milk with a subject that is of great importance, and that's to ask if you are a Christian. Do you call yourself a Christian? Uh, is that a part of how you identify yourself? Is that a part of your identity? It's an important question, and it's important that you know the answer to that question because it's an eternal life question. It's a salvation question. People in most cases, if not all cases, uh, take on this title because they want to go to heaven. Um, That's probably for the most part why anyone takes on any religion. Everybody wants to go to heaven. So for those who consider themselves to be Christians, believing in Lord Jesus is the way to get there. Um, So with that in mind, and it's so many different Christian denominations, as well as other religions, all believing that they have the right answer, a Christian has to be rooted. Um, They have to be rooted in the source of their religion in order to have any security in their belief. I'm going to give you some statistics. Uh, I don't do a lot of statistics, but I was doing some research and preparing for this, and I... I came across some statistics that were kind of staggering, and I'm just going to read this, and this is according to uh, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. It says there exists roughly 43,000 Christian denominations worldwide, and this was written in 2010, and that's up from uh, 500 in the 1800 and 39,000 in 2008, and that number is expected to grow to 55,000 different Christian denominations by 2025. That's a lot of denominations, all calling themselves Christians. Currently, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary estimates that a new Christian denomination is formed every 10 and a half hours, or that's 2.3 denominations a day. That's a lot of different Christian denominations. I got one more statistic I want to read for you uh, as far as how many Christians there actually are in the world. And this is coming from uh, Pew Research Center. Conwell Theological Seminary and Pew Research Center, they join in forces and uh, like have a partnership as far as finding some of their statistics. Um, I picked them because I know Pew is very reputable, and um, their statistics, they got statistics on all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to read this from their, uh, from one of their websites. It says this, the number of Christians around the world has nearly quadrupled in the last 100 years, from about 600 million in 1910 to more than 2 billion in 2010. But the world's overall population has risen rapidly from an estimated 1.8 billion to, in 1910 to 6.9 billion in 2010. As a result, Christians make up 
about the same portion of the world's population today, and that's about 32% um, to 35% of people in the world consider themselves Christians. And in all these numbers, all those numbers, there's different beliefs. There's varying beliefs according to um, the organization or the denomination. There's varying beliefs according to what people uh, feel or want to feel. There's a lot of different variations, and that's why it's important that if you call yourself a Christian, that you kind of know why you call yourself a Christian. That's why we're going to try to figure out if you can really answer that question about whether or not you're a Christian. I'm going to read one more thing to you off of uh, Gordon Cromwell's uh, website. This is from their Center for the Study of Global Christianity. The question is asked about two denominations, uh, independent denominations, uh, and whether they're considered to be Christian. And the answer to the question basically tells us how they um, come up with, with who can consider themselves a Christian. So this is the answer to the question if those two denominations are actually Christian. And this is what they say. They say, like other socialists of religion, the GSGC utilizes a strict methodology of self-identification, self-identification. That is, if an individual claims to be a Christian, then the GSGC considers him or her a Christian. That's it. That means that they are members of traditions born in the American context as renewal movements within Christianity who self-identify as Christians. So you can self-identify as a Christian, and that's what the criteria is to be considered a Christian. Because Christianity is global, people from all different countries, cultures, ethnic backgrounds, and lifestyles call themselves Christians. And with so many variations, it can be really hard to distinguish who truly is a Christian. So I think in order to, to, to answer the question for today, in order to answer that question, are you a Christian, there are two things that are required. First, you have to believe and Lord Jesus of the Bible. You, you have to believe in biblical Jesus. And second thing you have to believe is the Bible. You have to believe the Bible. And I want to point out, uh, just to give you some uh, understanding of, of who we are here at Sincere Milk, the Sincere Milk podcast, we are based on the fact, and, and we believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God, right? And we believe that the Bible is true, and without error from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, let me read a scripture to you uh, out of the NASB. I'm reading out of the NASB, Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is what it says. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So we believe that the God revealed in the pages of the Bible, we believe that the God that is revealed in these pages is the one true God. And I think it's important um, that you know that because what we were endeavored to do here, what we're trying to do on the podcast is to bring Christians into or to deepen uh, their biblical worldview. Or that is to say that we're trying to uh, help Christians to view the world through the lens of the Bible. So we want Christians to be able to view the world through the lens of Scripture, not from the lens of the world. So 
as those who would be uh, and are considered themselves to be Christians, it's vital that we are serving the God of the Bible and not some made-up idol. We don't want to be serving some made-up idol in. We want to serve the God who said this in his word. We want to serve the God who said this in Isaiah 45 and verse 18. It says, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens. He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. So we want to make sure that we are serving that God. And we'll probably talk more about Um, some of those things in future episodes. But for today, uh, we want to know what the Bible says about those who are going to consider themselves to be Christians. One thing we have to keep in mind that in developing or, or, or nurturing a biblical worldview, we must always remember that it is not what man says about himself. Rather, it's what the Bible says about man that shapes his or her worldview. And I want to give you uh, like an example of that. I want to give you a small example of what I mean in the in the biblical worldview um, scenario. It's and I'm going to use the earth. I'm going to use the age of the earth uh, as my example. So men say that the earth is millions, if not billions of years old. And that varies depending on what the popular um, opinion is in science. So it, it varies the age of the earth. But. For the biblical worldview, the earth is just somewhere around 6,000 years old. And that's based on the fact that God created the world just days before Adam. And we can date Adam back some 6,000 years. This is what Genesis uh, chapter 2 says. This is what Genesis chapter 2 and verse uh, 1 and 2 says this. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. So he created the earth and Adam in six days and rested on the seventh. And again, we can date Adam back about 6,000 years or so. So the, the biblical worldview holds its belief in what God's word says rather than what man says. And and again, we'll probably get into some of that uh, in future episodes. But for now, uh, with that being said, let's look into the word and see if indeed there are some qualifiers and disqualifiers um, that have been set for those who will call themselves Christians so that we can evaluate ourselves according to God's word. And it seems that much of what we what we hear being taught today, much of what is being preached, uh, puts man in the center of his faith. Uh, man has set a criteria that um, that for Christians have to hold to in order to be considered a Christian. And we hear things uh, such as you have to be able to speak in tongues to be a Christian. Um, you have to be prop- prosperous on earth. You have to have earthly wealth to be a Christian. We hear things like. Uh, you're not saved if you can't remember the day that you got saved or became a Christian or you have to worship on a certain day, all all kinds of things that man has set in place in order to determine who's a Christian. And somehow it seems like man has forgotten that it's Lord Jesus and not man who determines who will be his followers. 
and, and that no one comes to him. No one comes to the Lord except they're drawn in by the father. John 6, 44 tells us that. I'll leave you to read that on your own. We talked a little bit about, I was saying that we want to make sure we believe in Lord Jesus or the Bible, but people seem to hold on to a Hollywood type of version of the Lord. Uh, they look at him, they see him as handsome and he's soft, he's sweet, he's nice. He walks around in a long robe. Uh, he never offends anyone. You know, he, he sort of a, has a kumbaya type of feel, just wanting everybody to be happy and to get along. But that's not how scripture portrays him. Uh, and yes, he did display humility and love and kindness and gentleness, all those attributes, but he was no wimp. Lord Jesus was no wimpy guy, right? Uh, he was probably just average looking. Um, and I say was just because I'm talking about when he was actually walking here on earth, but he was probably average looking. He was an earthy probably guy working, you know, he worked with his hands. He was a carpenter's son, probably overlooked, you know, just probably average. Nobody, you know, nobody held him in high esteem. He wasn't praised in worship. Nobody was flocking to him because he was handsome and all these different things. So, and I'm not talking about his skin color either. I'm not, if you want to know what his skin color was, you can do a quick search online and find out that he was, um, he looked like whatever the skin color was of people of that region historically. So if you want to know what his skin color is, you can find that. But Isaiah 53 actually is one that gives us the best um, description of him. We can look in Isaiah 53 verses two and three and kind of get an idea of what he looked like. I think it has the best description of him. And it says this, it says, verse two says, for he grew up before them like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, acquainted with grief, and like one from whose men hid their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. So he wasn't a Hollywood looking, he wasn't a great um, beauty walking around and everybody flocking to him. He spoke strong. He spoke firm. He was non-compromising in his uh, conviction. His words did offend people. He was stern. He was serious. The words he spoke were serious and stern. And he's the one who spoke most about hell of any writer in the Bible. The Lord spoke more about hell than anyone else. He said uh, this in Matthew chapter 10. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. He said this. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So he spoke to, about hell and I'm, I'm saying these things and I'm talking about who Christ is, what he looked like, because I don't want you to lose perspective on Lord Jesus. I, I don't want you to lose perspective on biblical Jesus because he's about to lay out uh, some qualifications for following him and they're, they're strict, they're stern and they're hard. Um, and I'm, I can tell you, he requires everything. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're going to have to resolve yourself to give up everything. Cause that's what he requires. If you want to be a Christian 
and we can use the word Christian because, uh, you know, there are some people that say, well, Christianity, there's no Christian religion, but Christian is actually a biblical term. The, the word is found three times, either Christian or Christian is found three different times in the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 11 and 26, Acts chapter 26 and 28, and 1 Peter 4 and 16. So those who follow Christ can be called Christians. But anyway, what you have to know is that all your earthly relationships, your ambition, your pride, even your racial pride, your personal desires, uh, any sin that you like clinging on to, any private sin, any, any sin that you want to hold on to has to go. Your fraternities, your sororities, your money, your house, your car, everything, including your life itself, is required. That's what he's about to tell us. We're going we're gonna to look into his word so we'll have a biblical worldview of who can call themselves a Christian. We have to see if we stack up to this criteria. So we're going to stay in Matthew chapter 10 and we're going to start, I'm going to start reading at verse 34. This is what he says. He said, do not think that I am come to bring peace on earth. I am come to, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. So right off, right away, we see that he's not playing. He's strict. He's serious about those who can follow him. You have to resolve yourself that there will be times when that relationship that you treasure will be separated because you're standing for the word of God. So you have to be willing to, to even let those relationships go. This is what he says in, in verse 37. This is what he means by that. He says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Right. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. That's pretty simple. He, he doesn't make it complicated. We can look at a, a different version. We can look at how that love looks in Luke chapter 14. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 14 at verse 26. He says this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So we went from love to hate. And, and he's not saying we got to go out here and start hating people. But what he is saying is, all the all your earthly, natural earthly loving relationships would seem as hate compared to the love that you have to have for him if you're going to follow him. It's all about self-denial. Self-denial is a must. There can be no self. And then we hear a lot of that today. We hear so much the opposite of that. We hear so much talk about uh, personal gain and self-ambition among Christians, and I use Christians in air quotes, some are so focused on themselves and what they want, what they want to achieve, what they want to have, that they'll willingly obey or disobey, excuse me, they'll willingly disobey the written word, and, and that just can't happen. You, putting yourself or putting your life in front of Christ can't happen, right? It just can't happen. This is what he says in verse 38 of Matthew 10, he says this, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. 
So again, that worthiness is not there if you want to put your life first. And, and further a further look at uh, that worthiness or that cross, he says this in, in chapter 9 of Luke and verse 23. He says this, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So now it, it's not just a, a once and done. It's not just sometime. It's a daily picking up that cross, that, that instrument of death, that instrument of the end of life, as you know, that instrument that represents persecution and suffering and, and, and ridicule, right? It's cross-bearing, and you have to do it daily, right? That means dying to yourself daily. That means killing sin, mortifying sin daily. Choosing the Lord over your friends and family, if need be, every day. Every day obeying the commands of God's word, even if it goes against your desires. So many people call themselves Christians, want to walk with one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord. And you even see that with pastors and church leaders. They're all trying to look so much like the world that it seems like they want to look more like the, the world than they, than they love the Lord. And that's my opinion based on what I see and hear. And that's a no-no. You can't love the world equally or more than the Lord. It can't be all about this earthly life. Anyone who treasures this life and seeks to have all that the world offers is going to fall short of the qualifications for one who can follow Christ. Verse 39, let's go back to verse 39 of Matthew 10. What does it say? Matthew 10, 39 says this, he who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it, right? Somehow it, it, it seems to have escaped some, some of the Christians or some of those who call themselves Christians to take heed to this. It's like they don't know this, never heard this, and that could be a possibility, but you can't want to love this life on earth so much that you don't follow Christ. He, he, he can't, you can't have it both ways. He doesn't want you. If you want to love this life, you have to love him. You have to have an eternal perspective. You have to think eternally. You have to think um, of following him first. He demands everything. He wants it all. Right. And I, I'm not going to keep harping on this point, but and I don't want to belabor the point for the day or the topic for the day. But he also in, in, in Luke chapter 14 gives us two parables in verses 28 through 32. And just to summarize sort of what those parables means, he, he tells us to count the costs and consider the challenges and hazards of following him. Why? Because he requires everything. He requires everything. And there's no way around it. You have to resolve yourself to give up everything. Going back to Luke uh, chapter 14, verse 33, and it's the last, it's the last verse I'm going to read for today. He says this, Luke, Luke 14, 33, he says, So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. So he calls us disciples in Luke. So disciples and Christians is the same thing. It's, it's not a level up from Christian to disciple. A follower of, of, of the Lord Jesus is a disciple. So that, that means you're a learner of his teachings. You're a learner of the master's teachings and you're one who adheres to those teachings. A Christian 
And a disciple is the same thing. It's not some level up from Christian to disciple. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple, right? So, so many people call themselves Christians based on all kinds of things, based on a prayer they prayed, a church affiliation, a feeling or experience they had. But the Lord is the one who has given the qualification in his word. And the, the, the qualification he gives deals with the heart of a man. He deals with your heart. Do you have a heart for the Lord? Is your heart totally given to him? And, and even if you didn't know this when you first came and wanted to be a Christian, even if you uh, didn't have this uh, told to you, it's still here in the Bible for us to read. You can read this in the Bible. So anyone who calls himself a Christian can examine himself against the word of God. And don't look at your neighbor, but look into the word of God and see where you stack up according to this qual qualifications, according to this criteria that the Lord himself has set. He set uh, qualifications. He set those things for those who would be called his followers. There's no getting around that. If you don't meet these qualifications, if this is not your heart, you can't call yourself a Christian. It's regardless of the denomination that you follow or experience that you had. Is this where your heart is? Are you willing and have you resolved yourself to give up everything? My hope is that, you know, now that you've heard these qualifications, my hope is that you can answer that question, yes, with confidence that say, hey, I am a Christian. That's my hope. Well, that's it for now. Remember, reading God's word nourishes the soul. And if you would like to subscribe, please do so. Until next time, thanks for listening.